Exhausting life has deprived me from His grace. I placed my heart in things that will fade. All the fruitless things that distracted me from you, I lived a life missing His grace. The Lord has changed my sight into His praise. Now I sing a song of hope. I'm praising You, my Lord. You have wiped away my tears of yesterday. Lord, let me live my life and worship for Your name. The Lord has changed my sight into His praise. Now I sing a song of hope. I'm praising You, my Lord. You have wiped away my tears of yesterday. Lord, let me live my life and worship for Your Yesterday, 
Lord, let me live my life in worship for your name. Lord, let me live my life in worship for your name. Lord, let me live my life in worship for your name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue our worship.
Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory, Jehovah Shalom, my Prince of Peace, and I worship you. Because of who you are, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory, Jehovah Shalom, my Prince of Peace. And I worship you because of who you are. And I worship you because of who you final song. This is a new song, and it's a Filipino song, and it's called Lilim, which translates to In Your Shelter, and we plan on using this song for our future missions, so we wanted to introduce this song today. 
Let us sing together, my Lord, my desire. My Lord, my desire, how beautiful you are, my God, your love is my My Lord, my desire, how beautiful you are, my God. Your love is my home, forever not forsaken, I
your shelter I will abide in you in your secret place I will worship you in your shelter I will remain in you here I shall find you here in your secret shelter I will abide in you in your secret place I will worship you in your shelter I will remain in you here I shall find you here in your secret in your shelter I will abide in you in your secret place I will worship you in your shelter I will remain in you here I shall find you here in your secret place here I shall find you here in your secret place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Before we begin. Can we just come together just real quick and can we just take this moment to pray can we just take a moment to pray to God and to invite his presence here and to ask the Lord for protection that as we worship that as we pray and as we listen to his message that we would do it with a humble heart may we pray together let's pray together Heavenly Father we just want to thank you we just want to just invite your presence here in this place. Pray, Lord, that you watch over us. Lord, forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Thank you for your faithfulness in us. And more than looking at our situation, our own selves, for strength. May we get rid of all our sins. The natural impulse, nature that we have, that we carry. But may we have patience, patience and faithfulness to walk in this desert. Lord, help us not to get succumbed by the excitement and by the emotions of the things that are around us. Congregation, we humbly surrender ourselves to you. To give ourselves to you. And your spirit teaches your ways. May you strengthen our faith in each and every one of us. Father, I pray that we will run after you. Father, may you set us everything that's in our hearts, everything, our worries, and our fears, God, our burdens. Set 
in your shelter. In your shelter, I will abide in you. In your sacred place, I will worship you. In your shelter, I will remain in you. Here I shall find you. Here in your sacred shelter I will abide in you in your secret place I will worship you in your shelter I will remain in you here I shall find you here in your secret place Heavenly Father, as we transition now to the message, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For we declare here today and forevermore that you are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. All right. Welcome, everyone. God bless you. Uh, let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor before we begin. And as we're here today, I just want to encourage you to open up your heart and your ears to receive the message and the word that the Lord has for us today. Amen? Amen. Uh, with that, uh, let's begin with today's message. The title of today's message is Normal Christian Discipleship. Normal Christian Discipleship. You guys like the mic? <laughs> I feel weird. Very strange, but it's good. I like it. I feel like only that's, that's how you feel, huh? Like superstar every Sunday with your earpiece as well. But it's good to be here, and I'm excited to share the word with you here today. And the book of Jude, just to give you a quick context, is a brother of James, and he... This individual, this is a very special book in the Bible. Um, it has only one chapter. And in this book, it gives us a warning, uh, just like the book of Philemon, Philemon, however you want to pronounce it, has one chapter. And why this book is special is because it's, it gives a warning to the apostates. Apostates are those who fall into apostasy. Apostasy is what? Those who turn away from the faith. The definition of apostates, some of the characteristics of apostates are ungodly, they're perverted, they deny Christ, they pollute their own bodies, they reject what is holy, they're led by animalistic instincts, their flesh, destructive, they're blamers, they're self-seekers. They place themselves first. They're arrogant. They're flatterers. They flatter with their lips. They mock. They bring division in the church. 
Their mindset is very worldly, not the things of God. It is very soulish, right? Soul food is good, but spiritual food is the best. Does not have the spirit of God. And Jude is warning the church, especially today, in this generation, apostasy is running rampant. It's everywhere. And people are turning away from the faith. And it's hard to distinguish between who is a true Christian versus who is not. If we go for a dinner, right, if we were to go for a dinner today and we join another group, let's say a group that is not a church, how will we behave, right? How will we act? Will we speak in the same manner, right? Will we pray before we eat? Will we be too ashamed? How will we act and how will we be? And when people see us, the waitress or the manager or the owner, will they be able to tell the difference between you and the Christians and those who are not Christians, vice versa? The key today is for us to understand and to be separated and to be set apart and to understand that we are, that I am a disciple of Christ. That comes first and foremost. Nothing comes before that. That is the first thing. We are a disciple. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. So with that, the title, Normal Christian Discipleship. Jude 17 to 23. Again, it's chapter 1, okay? So it's 17 to 23. There's only one chapter. The heading says, A Call to Persevere. It says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers, who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up, your most holy faith and praying in the spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring you to eternal life. Verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. In other words, go witness to them. Be an example to them of what a Christian is. Testify your testimony of how God saves you. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Amen and amen. Again, Jude is warning the church of apostasy. Those who reject the gospel, those who pervert the gospel. That's why right before this, and I want to encourage you, read the book of Jude. It's very short, and it's very powerful, and it is good. It's good for our spirit. It will strengthen our spirit, our soul, and our life before God. And here, right before, in Jude 11 and verse 12, it's not on the screen, but it says, Woe to them! He's talking about those, those who are apostates, those who have turned away from God, those who were in the church but are no longer in the church. He's saying, woe to them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of what? Cain. 
And what was the way of Cain? He was a murderer. He hated his brother. He hated Abel, and then he killed him. He took the way of Cain. Again, apostasy, the characteristic of apostasy is what? Ungodly, perverted. They deny Christ. They pollute the gospel. They pollute their bodies. Again, our body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. They're destructive in their ways. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion when they rebelled against Moses in the desert and they were swallowed up on the ground. And we know even the story through Moses that those who were rescued in Egypt, they all died, not because God hated them, but because they're rebellious to God. They were apostates. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. Imagine you're in a restaurant, you see a family with a mother and children, and she's just feeding herself, and the children are not being fed. That's the imagery of the church. Children are not being taken care of. The people in the church are starving because these leaders are only feeding themselves and the members are feeding themselves. There is no humility. So Jude is reminding us here today that discipleship is marathon ship. It is not sprint ship. It is marathon ship. And we need to live in that manner because sprinting I guess it's hard, but it is easier because it's quick. But the long distance, you're in it for the long haul. Just like Peter, right, with impulse, what did he do? He sprinted to the water, right? He was walking on water. But we're not meant to walk on water as human beings. We are what meant to what? To walk on the desert, dry ground, marathon, day after day, the mundane days, the ordinary things. And in the ordinary, we do spectacular things for the gospel. And God uses us through consistency day in and day out. So the book of Jude is reminding the Christians. He's reminding you. Again, the heading, a call to persevere. Persevere, persevere, persevere. That's what it means to be a normal Christian disciple. And we all know about Luke 9 and Luke 14. We've run over this before, but let me quickly read it for us. Luke 9 is the cost of following Jesus. And it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. It's easy to say with words. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He's saying it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. He said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He said, you need to put me first before your family, before anything. Can you do that? Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit 
for service in the kingdom of God. If you already have your hands on the plow, then your job is to what? Move forward. Not to look back, not to have regrets, but to look forward. Because this is a decision that you have made. You need to understand what it means to make a decision to follow Christ. Luke 14, it says, the cost of being a disciple. Again, another one of my favorite passages that I've shared this with you thousands of times. And it says this, as large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Jesus gives two examples. Suppose, number one is this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Second example he gives, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Amen. So the cost of discipleship is what? You need to count the cost. It is not impulse discipleship, but it is what? A marathon ship discipleship. Christianity on impulse is not the answer. To discipleship. I'll say it again. Christianity on an impulse is not the answer to discipleship. And so many kids get tricked into this. I remember in youth group when I was young, I mean, I'm sure they're not trying to trick the kids, but we water down the gospel. We say, oh, anyone can do it. But the reality is not everyone can do it. Not everyone will last. And they need to understand what true discipleship is. It's inside-out transformation. In the beginning, yes, we are a beginner, like a white belt. Yes, we are all in the beginning stage. But eventually, as you progress in the years of training, you cannot remain with the same mentality that you had back when you were a beginner. Everything changes to the body, to the posture, to the way that we speak, our speech, our action, our conduct, our lifestyle, everything, our thought process, everything is a transformation. I was watching an interview this week about uh, this Korean actor. Uh, I forget his name because Korean names are very similar, but he's the guy that played one of the friends in the movie Friend, Chingu. And you know, it's not a Christian movie. It's more geared towards the world and gangster genre. And this individual gave up his acting career and God met him. And he is now serving and living a life as a missionary. 
And then they were doing an interview, and he met with his old friends. And one of the older brothers, the young, was saying, hey, let's have some drink and alcohol. And he said, oh, no, no, it's okay. And he's like, shocked, why? And he just explains that in the beginning, yes, before, yes, but now with Christ in my life, I am not here to represent the world. I'm here to represent my church. And I don't want my action to hinder any of the ones who are weak in their faith, my church, because they're watching in the Christian community. And more than that, it's about my heart transformation. God has transformed my life. I am no longer the same individual as I was before. And he counted the cost. He understood that it meant giving up his popularity, his fame, the riches, for what? To serve the poor. And his testimony was so powerful because he could have had the world at his fingertips. He could have made it in the world, made it out in the world. But he understood that it was the long haul. He counted the cost. He understood the mission. He understood that it was going to cost him his everything. But the reality is so many of us, especially in the church, we have turned cold. People are walking in with slippers, sandals, shorts. Not that those are bad things, but after a while, after you have been in the faith, you realize you, even in the way that we dress, even the way that we are, the way we speak, we offer our body as a living sacrifice. And those are some of the things that, we sh that is shown from the overflow of our heart. And many of us have grown in pride and we have lost our way. But the book of Jude is reminding us that the Lord is calling us to him. Jesus reminding us once again, I need you to listen to my voice, hear my voice, and listen to my voice and follow me. So with the title, Normal Christian Discipleship, point number one is this, especially for those who are listening for the first time, the gospel. Number one, be thorough, think through, and consider well. What do I mean by consider well? Consider well whether you can finish. I need you to think through it because this is going to be for the long haul until you take your final breath here on this earth. It says in Luke 14, verse 31, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider, consider whether he is able to, with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. Consider. Meaning even though the situation seems impossible, even though my home situation seems impossible, even though my personal situation seems impossible, you need to consider well, not on the negative side, to the negative end, but to the positive, knowing that even though you have, you don't have enough, 
you know, that even though I don't have enough or enough budget or enough this, we have faith that he will fight our battles and we will overcome because Christ is with us. You need to have that kind of faith. You need to be thorough and you need to think through. Because later down the road, if you end up giving up, it was all for nothing. It was all in vain. And many people are lied to about this. What is that lie? That Christianity is easy. That Christianity is for you. That you are the God of your life. And Christ is just there as a magical genie to help you and whenever you need. But when you don't need him, put him back in the bottle and you live your life the way that you want. No, that's not true. You cannot separate Christ. If you separate Christ, you are separating your brain and your heart. Without the brain, without the heart, without the major organ, you will not survive. Christ is our everything. He's not just our vital organs, but he is our body, even to the mere hair, the hair that we have, the fingertips, the skin, the nail. He is our everything from the outside, from the head to my toe, toe to my head. He is my everything. And Christianity is not easy. And not all will make it to the finish line. Just like with Moses we saw, not everyone will make it to the finish line. They ended with what? Miracle, the Ten Commandments. Yes, everyone is happy and worshiping. But what is the reality? The reality is they end up 40 years in the desert and the first generation, all those who witnessed the goodness of God, the miracle of God, they all died away. They all made their own idols. They made their golden calf. They made their own gods. And they all turned away from their faith. Now, if it was so easy, why didn't they make it? Because it is not easy. Because this is a spiritual fight. Fight between spirit and flesh. Between God and and Satan, between what is good and godly, between what is evil. This discipleship is going to cost you your everything. It's like the credit card commercial. It's priceless. It's priceless. It cannot be bought with money or with time. It is a priceless and a costly grace that has been bestowed upon you. And before you get yourself into Christianity, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. You need to. We cannot just encourage kids to, just for the sake of, I mean, obviously you're careful with them. You're not going to explain all the horrors and show them, you know, people getting martyred and like gruesome pictures. Like, I'm not talking about that. But you, you do it in a wise manner, right? As they get older, they start to learn more. But if you start, but if you just keep feeding them, even at the age of 40, you're still, they're still, they come to church and they open up and it's the, the children Bible, right? With the illustration, they're not going to grow. They will still remain in their childish ways. And if they're too simple and not filled with the wisdom of God, they will turn to the world. We have to grow, go from milk to solid food.
And as we get older, we need to understand the reality of the gospel. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. Letter A, costly. That it's costly. How much? You're everything. B, count. You teach that individual to count, to count the cost. Let us see choice. You tell them that it's a choice that you need to make. No one else, not your mom, not your father, not your brother, not your sister, not your boyfriend, girlfriend, your friend. It's a choice that you need to make. Because at the end of the day, you will stand before God, between you and God and Him alone. That's it. D, comprehend. You need to comprehend and understand what you're getting yourself into. E, choose. Now it's time to make that choice. Choose that path, the gate of the narrow gate, the narrow road. And F, commit. Commit. Just like the movie, The Covenant, I was talking with Francis. The definition of covenant is it's a promise. You commit to it. You honor your word. You honor the commitment. We need to commit to Christ today. We need to follow and have understanding, count the cost. It's a yes or no. So what is our decision? especially for those who are hearing this message for the first time about being a true disciple. What is your decision, child of God? What is your decision, man and woman of God? Is it a yes or is it a no? If it's a yes, your life right now should look different from the rest of the world. If it's not, then you have not. You're just a fraud. We're just here playing Christianity. We're not a true Christian. The gospel shall become one or the other in our life. It will become our greatest hope, and I've said this often, it will become our greatest hope and our greatest answer or it will become the greatest threat because it's going to threaten your future, your present, your dreams, what you want to do, but it requires humility. Lord, what is it that you want me to do, Lord? And I will follow you today and forever. Just like the actor, the testimony of his story, where he gave up everything, fame, for the call of God in his life to be a missionary. First, we must consider the person who becomes a disciple of Christian of Christ on impulse. This is likely to be the person who come in on a wave of enthusiasm. And I am a little bit suspicious of anyone who is too easily converted. I have a feeling that if he or she can be easily converted to Christ, he or she may be easily slipped back the other way. I'll say it again. I have a feeling that if he or she can easily be converted to Christ, he or she may be easily slipped back the other way. I like the sinner who means business. Even though at first he or she may be standing up, 
looking you right in the eye and saying, I don't believe it or, and I won't do it, the time will come when that person will think better of it. He or she will take time to cool off, will take time to listen to and meditate on the word. Slowly but surely, he or she will determine that the way of Christ is the right way. When that person becomes a Christian, you have got some body. So which one is better? Well, Jesus gives an example in Matthew 21 of the two sons. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son, so there are two sons, and, the, and, the, and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them. They answered, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. What is this saying? That's better for you to say, no, but do. Compared to who? Someone who says yes, and then they don't. So again, going back to our point, be thorough. Be thorough. Think through. And consider everything. Consider well what is the best for your life because this is your life. I cannot make that choice for you. You need to make that decision for your own life. When we turn to the Lord and follow Him, amen? amen. So, what is the best option? The first son or the second son? What do you think? Neither. <laughs> the better is the third son where you say yes, you think through yes, and then you do, right? That's the best way. But second is the one who says, he says no, and then he does, compared to the worst one where he's just fake and he's like, yes, okay, yes, I'll do it, yes. Never shows up. Right, that's the worst. So the best advice that I can share with you is just keep it simple, but be thorough. Keep it simple. It's, it's, if, if it's a yes, it's a yes. If it's a no, it's a no. And I know I said put much thought, but on the flip side of that, keep it simple. You know, just keep it simple like a child, but at the same time, mature and grow. It's everything, everything put together. It's not just one thing. But it's very important that when we give the gospel, after we present a gospel to them, we teach them, look, you need to be thorough, you need to think through, and you need to consider well. And then we give the gospel. And even after we give the gospel, we teach them, it's not going to be easy, and you need to be ready for it. Amen? Amen. Uh, so again, be thorough, think through, and consider well. Point two, when there is a lack of discipline, our devotion to the Lord crumbles. When there's a lack of discipline, 
our devotion to the Lord crumbles. In other words, when I lack a disciplined life, my devotion to the Lord will start to crumble. It's like Christianity, uh, please listen to me carefully, Christianity without discipline is like having a brand new engine, right? We have a brand new car with brand new engine. It looks nice. It looks beautiful. But this vehicle, it goes nowhere. Do you understand that? It goes nowhere. If it could look great, but without tires, the vehicle will what? It will not run. It could have the best finish, the best coating, best engine, best everything. Everything can work. But if you don't have discipline, if you don't have the tires to move and to go, you are a display. You are useless. Good for nothing. So when there is a lack of discipline in the Christian life, when you are not a disciplined individual, your devotion to the Lord crumbles. What is the discipline that I'm talking about? We'll get to that in our sub point, but let me quickly share with you Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. And the heading says, The Great Commission. The call. What is the call? Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, we need to be disciplined to put it into action. It doesn't just happen behind the screen, at the comfort of our couch, of our room. The whole point of the Great Commission is to have the discipline of action. And where does that come from? Where, where are we getting this from? It comes from a repetition of this, a discipline of what? Letter A, pray. We pray. We pray daily. We pray every hour, every second in our heart. We pray. When we are filled with temptation, we pray. We pray for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to overcome the temptation of the flesh. When we are going through hard times at work, when there's lies being whispered into our minds, telling us that you are not good enough, lies that God doesn't care about you anymore, we pray. We pray for God, for Holy Spirit to come. We pray in what? In who? In Jesus' name. And B, we read. We have a discipline of reading. Reading what? Fiction? Book that is in Barnes and Nobles and fiction, comics, and all those things. Entertainment, magazines. No, read the Word of God. You read the Scripture. You die in the Word of God and you grow in your wisdom in God. We attend Bible study. And we learn as we read. Let us see. We have a discipline of heeding. You take heed, heed. 
You heed well. What does that mean, heed well? It means you listen, you take warning, you take discipline well from those around you. Humility. D, declare. We have a discipline of declaring. Even when we're in a restaurant, meeting with a friend who is a secular friend, we are always ready to declare. Obviously, we're not going to force them, tie them up and say, listen, you better choose Christ or else, and you make them choose. No, you declare, and God will give you the opportunity. God always gives the opportunity. Whenever I'm with secular people or people who have not gone to church for a while, God always provides a way for me to share the gospel, always. And I don't leave that place unless I do, unless I'm in a group or it could be simple things like, hey, can we pray or let us pray. Just bringing the light of Christ with the opportunity that's been given to you in any way possible, we declare. You announce and proclaim. Proclaim what? Not of what I've done, but what Christ has done in me. Because so many people love talking about their own story, their own life, their own life, what I have done. But none of that stuff matters. It's what Christ has done in you. E, follow. You need to be disciplined to follow him. Anyone can try to walk on water, maybe for a split second because you're so fast, but you fall. We're not meant to walk on water. We're meant to follow Christ through the desert, through the wilderness. Follow him. Fellowship. F is fellowship. We need to be disciplined in that. G, worship. H, discipleship. And I, study. Study means memorize. Memorize scripture. Because one day, there may come a time where we will not have access to the scripture that we have. Some of us, we have five to ten Bibles. But we will come, there will come a day where we may encounter where we are in prison or in jail where we won't have access to the word of God. And when that day comes, are you ready? Is the word of God alive in you? You need to memorize, memorize, memorize. And lastly, point number three. Being a disciple of Christ means that I operate as a citizen of heaven. Being a disciple of Christ means that I operate as a citizen of heaven. This is very important because in our main scripture, Jude, he reminds us and he makes sure that we are reminded of what this life is all about. In verse 21, what does he say? Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to what? To eternal life. Isn't that what it's all for? For the end? Remember the question that we asked in praise night? The end? What's the end game? 
What is it all for? What is all this for? What is all this for? Delivering the message. What is it for? Us coming on Sunday and lifting up our hands and worshiping. What is it for? Feeding the poor. What is it for? What is all this for? What's the goal? It's the end game. It's to the eternal destination. That's the finish line. And when we get to that finish line, we have made it. And then we have a whole life for all of eternity in one place or another place. It's one or the other. There is no in-between purgatory. There is no in-between. You could prolong your health as long as you want. And there are many healthy people, people who eat well, who are healthy, who do not get sick. But for how long? How long are you banking on your health? How long are you banking on your kina, on your healthy food? It's not bad to eat healthy and to be healthy. But if that's what you're banking on, the money in your bank account, you're forgetting your true calling of why you're here. We're here for eternity. That's the end game. To bring as many to eternity with Christ. Because in this life, there is suffering. And it is hard and it's difficult. But our true joy is not found here. But it's found in God and all of eternity with And in the process, we have joy day in, day out. Not happiness because it's based on our situations, but joy. We get a taste and a glimpse. The joy that we have today, it'll be joy, complete joy, the fullness of joy of God for all of eternity with Christ. So in other words, if I'm a disciple of Christ, I will operate as a citizen of heaven. That's it. In other words, you must have, you must live with eternal mentality, eternal mindset, not a God complex where you think you're a God and you're better than others. I'm talking about the work that you do. You sow into the eternal things of God. Your reward is what? is not on the applause of men and women, but it's on the applause of God, our only audience. He is our reward. So with that letter A, we check our lifestyle. Check your lifestyle. Letter A, check your lifestyle. Are you the same inside and outside of church right now? Ask yourself this question. When you're with your Christian friends and with your worldly friends, are you the same inside and outside? B, will I be committed? Am I committed? C, will I follow through in my decision with devotion? Again, you need to do it with devotion each and every single day. 
devotion, discipline, which is D, will I put my faith into action with discipline? Devotion and discipline, they go hand in hand, together. It's all together. Action, not just words, with devotion. It's a decision. And you need to be disciplined in your action to live it out. E, will I live a life of godly repetition? This is very important because some of us, we just want to be godly just once a week, and that's on a Sunday. But I remember my New Testament group professor, he was teach us, he did lacrosse, and he would say, for you to get better is the number of touches. Even my wrestling coach is about all the hours that you put in onto the mat, right? You got to put the hours in into the mat. It all comes from discipline, practice, 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 repetition. It's the same way in the Christian life. It's about repetition, repetition, golly, repetition. And then in the end, it's letter F and G. And what is F? F is yes, I will, Lord. And G, yes, I am ready, Lord. I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. And I want to close with these two scriptures. One is found in Acts chapter 2. And another one is found in Matthew 4. But let's go ahead and quickly read Acts 2, verse 37 to 47. And in Acts 2, you'll see quickly right away that the first Christian church, the people, they devoted themselves to the Lord immediately, uh, to the local church immediately. And there was a strong warning on what is right and what is wrong. And after much thought, they gave their lives to the Lord immediately. And they followed the Lord right away. They did not wait. So it says here, Acts 2, when the people heard this, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is after Peter gives the gospel. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of what? Of who? Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. As it continues on, verse 42, the heading says, The fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen and amen. amen. And lastly, Matthew 4, 18 to 22, Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So what is the conclusion here? Do we need to really think through, be thorough, and consider well before saying yes? Because here it shows that they did it immediately. They did it right away. Well, it's both. It's both. And what happens is the Holy Spirit will instill within you a spirit of perseverance. And unless the Holy Spirit gives you the spirit of perseverance, understanding what it means to follow Christ, because as we grow in our faith, we understand, okay, Philippians, remember Jesus who had everything, but he humbled himself. And humility is not about me, but it's about putting others' interests above my own. It gives an example. Paul says, in humility, Christ, he lowered himself, giving himself even unto death. And we understand if Christ did that, if he lived a life of incarnation of Jesus, God becoming human, fully man, fully God, we understand the humility of God. And as we read the scripture, as the Holy Spirit is within us, he teaches us the right way to live. He teaches us, okay, smoking, no. Drinking, no. I know that it causes hindrance. And the Holy Spirit transforms us. The way I used to dress, okay, I understand that this is going to be a hindrance, and it draws attention to myself. And it's not about myself. Going to church is not about me, but it's about you, God. And you start changing, transforming the way you think, the way you dress, the way you speak, the way you act, the actions, the things that you used to do, the activities that you used to do. You don't do it anymore because you are transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit that is within you. But there are some people who are just so quick in their emotion and they just do it emotionally and then we're setting them up for failure. And for those individuals, and every context is different. Sometimes a situation will allow you, that individual to accept Christ right away. Sometimes they take their time. You know, we have people coming to church and they still don't know whether they're in the faith or but you teach them in the right way and that's what you say to them hey you need to be thorough think through you need to consider well but ultimately the destination is what it's a yes or a no but don't take that grace period for granted where you're banking on Everyone thinks we will die at an old age on our deathbeds and we'll have a few minutes before us saying, Jesus, forgive me for everything, and then heaven. No, that's not. Maybe you can't bank on that. We, can't, we don't know how we're going to go or how things will happen tomorrow. 
If we go, we go. It's like that documentary or that show, 100 Stupid Ways People Have Died or something, and they show crazy ways people died. And it's like supposed to be comedic, comedic and, and funny, but, but it's death. But death comes no matter what. That's the point. We don't know how life will end. But when we have the opportunity, when we have the chance to hear today, we need to commit our hearts to him. Ultimately, we need to get to a point during that grace period while we're still alive. I pray that we will be able to say, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, I will follow you. I count the cost, and I follow you today. Amen? Amen. So I want to challenge you here today for your prayer, especially when I invite the praise team to come, <coughs> come up later. <coughs> I pray that your prayer will be, Lord, more of you and less of me. Lord, each day with humility, I will continue to follow you. I will continue to follow you. And this is very important for, Christ, for pastors, especially leaders, elders. You know, charisma alone cannot and will not uphold you. Charm will not uphold you. Character alone cannot, will uphold you. I mean, character is better than charisma, but what's my point? Only Christ alone, that's my point. Only Christ alone can and will uphold you. That's it. No extra, no less. This is it. That's the answer. The key is Jesus Christ. He is the key to eternal life, to having a relationship with the Lord. Of you being a true disciple, Jesus Christ is the key. Amen. And amen. Right, with that, I want to invite the praise team, if you could please come up. And as we do the last song, and as we play in the background, let's play a little bit more softer, uh, just a little bit softer, because I want to give everyone an opportunity to, uh, to pray and to commit your heart and your life to God. And as you went over in today's message, being a true disciple of Christ. I want to challenge you, uh, just as the song says, you know, my Lord, my desire, how beautiful you are, my God. Your love is my hope, forever not forsaken. My Lord, your name is my fortress and my foundation. Your promises remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as a praise team sings this in the background, I want to invite you to pray. I want you to declare with your heart, soul, mind, and strength that, Lord, you are my king. You are my desire. That you are my everything. And I surrender my life and everything, all that I am. And I surrender it all to you. Jesus, I commit my life to you as a true disciple of Christ. And I will follow you no matter what tomorrow may bring. I follow you in the mundane days of this wilderness. I will follow you wholeheartedly and faithfully. So can we just come together and take this time to pray before our Lord. Between you and the Lord, don't worry about anyone else. And as the praise team sings, let us continue praying. And when you're ready, worship. Let's worship together. 
but be free here in this place. However the Lord leads, let us worship and praise Him. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. desire to live in the same manner as I did when I was an orphan, lost out in the world. Lord, I need you right now, Lord Jesus. I need you to come and strengthen and touch my life, touch the life of your sheep here in this place. When you are a shepherd, you are the one who feeds us, who leads us from pasture to green pasture to pasture. Lord, you lead us and you protect us from the wolf, from the attacks of the enemy. Lord, you come and you strengthen us and you renew us. I pray, God, that we recommit our hearts and our life back to you, God. I pray that you just continue to instill within us the wisdom of God so that we may grow in our faith, that we may grow in our walk with you every single day, every moment. So we'll be closer to the heart of God to all the opposition all the walls all the shameful past and the hurts that we carry Lord God they will all be wiped away washed away by the blood of our sins be washed away by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we'll live as a renewed a new individual who has a new life No longer am I living in my old self, but I am a new creation that is found in Christ. That no longer do I have my old heart, although you have given unto me a new heart, a heart to worship you. And that is soft and broken, and God, that is malleable to you, to the ways of how you molded to me, not in the heart, as Pharaoh's heart or Judas's heart. Where is no longer moved by the things of God, growing arrogant and prideful in my way. But Lord, may I surrender everything that I have and be truly humble and broken, Lord, before you, God, that you will mold me into the direction that you would lead me to. I pray that our church will go in the direction that you desire for us to be, not in the way that we want to go, but in the way that you ask us to go. Oh Lord, let us not forget about your goodness. All that you have done for us in Egypt. God, even though we were slaves in Egypt, may we desire, may we not desire the old life and go back to our old ways. But may we surrender our hearts to you and look to you, Jesus, with a new life. And that, God, as you get to the promised land, that promised land is not here on this earth, but is in eternity with you in heaven. that God that we would spread the gospel we would share the testimony of your goodness in our lives so that God that others can see the goodness of God that you'll use us as instruments to do the work that you have called us to Holy Spirit have your way Holy Spirit strengthen us Holy Spirit have your way with us 
Lord, we love you. We need you. And have your sacred Fathers, want to thank you for your love and for your goodness, O oh God. And as we just went over many different scriptures here today, uh, may we remember the humility of Christ, as mentioned in Philippians 2, that Lord, you at everything 
but you humbled yourself, made yourself into nothing, but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, you humbled yourself, but becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Lord, may we carry our cross daily as a disciple of Christ here today. Lord, we ask God that you forgive us of our sins, Lord, forgive us of our rebellion and our pride, and for putting ourselves first before you, O oh Lord. Lord, thank you for the opportunity every Sunday to come before your holy throne in humility and to worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you for giving us uh, these sets of songs that we can, will usher us into worshiping you and to praising you. Lord, we just want to thank you in every word that we say, every word that we read, every word that is sung, or we, re we declare and we mean it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we say, Lord, my Lord, my desire, how beautiful you are, my God. Your love is my hope forever, not forsaken. My Lord, your name is my fortress and my foundation. Your promises remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we say, I am found in you and in you alone, we are reminded of the truth of the gospel. And we declare with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength that, Lord, we will live each day. We don't know how many days we have left here on this earth, but however days are left, we will do it faithfully, Lord. And Holy Spirit, strengthen us to do it faithfully, to be able to live with discipline, to live each day with purpose and with meaning. And even when we do fall, and we will fall, Lord, for we are all human beings. And when we do fall, may we not stay down as the devil wants. But Lord, may we get up, get right back up. Even if we have to crawl, may we continue to walk and to continue on this marathon that you have called us to be in. May we not live on a spiritual high of ups and downs, like sprints up and downs. But may we be consistent in our heartbeat towards you, towards the things of God, day in and day out, faithfully faithfully for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your purpose, and for your name, for your honor. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Praises to you. We lay everything, all of our crowns, we lay them down at your feet. We thank you. We love you. We're reminded here today in the book of Jude of how good you are to us, a warning to us to wake up in these last times, to wake up and to understand that there are scoffers who will follow their own ways, their ungodly ways. But we, as true Christians, as true disciples of Christ, we will live with the end in mind, with eternity in mind. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. All right. Now we'll close the service with our final and closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Sing it oh, just one time through, and now close our service with the benediction. Let's sing together.
path in Jesus is the only path I know. I will run to Him with my broken heart. There's power in the name of Jesus. He's my righteousness. His name, He's the way, the truth, and all seat and get ready for our final prayer benediction what was the title of today's message (laughs) this mic you got to be careful even though it's even picking up Enrico sniff (laughs) but um again uh let's continue on learning and growing amen What we did 10 years ago or five years ago, we will grow and mature and and adapt, but never compromise. Amen? Amen. The standard is high always, but we will do it with humility, with the grace that God has given us. So God bless you. I pray that today's message will stay with you throughout the week, and may it aid in your walk with the Lord daily, every single day. Amen? Amen? Okay, with that, let us pray. Let's pray for our benediction, our benediction prayer. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good in doing his will, and may he continue to work within us what is pleasing to him, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all of God's people pray, amen Amen. and amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you. (laughs)